Now, joining me now, uh, this is not going to be me just kissing ass. This is going to be me just expressing gratitude because he is my single favorite basketball voice. I'm a huge fan of the Dan Lebitard show, and now that he's become a much greater presence on it, that podcast, that show has gotten way better, but it goes beyond that. The most interesting basketball podcast is the Basketball Illuminati. Basketball Illuminati, Basketball Illuminati, Basketball Illuminati. Keep your third eye open. If you haven't checked out that podcast, I highly recommend it. And, of course, beyond that, you can hear them all year long on the only place on radio for 24-7 coverage of the NBA, Sirius XM NBA Radio. It is Amin Hassan. Amin, thank you so much for joining the show today. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate you doing the slogan for the show, Basketball Illuminati. It's, it's one of my favorite things. Oh, I love it. I, I love this. The production, the intro, it's incredible. And I listen to it. I'm like, so many of those references. No one under a certain age is going to get. Also, a shout-out. I think you're the only sports media person that has dropped a War Games movie reference in the middle of a conversation. Don't think that didn't go uh, unnoticed. Yeah, no, you know what's funny, man? I always joke around that, like, whenever I do something like that, Two people who actually catch it, and I yeah. do it for those two people. It's yeah. way more satisfying than having millions of people uh, kind of catch the reference. What was, uh, was it? Was it Whopper or was it Joshua? What, what was the? Uh, I believe it was. I believe it was Whopper, which uh, just the the super giant computer and not the password to play a game of tic tac toe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, then we could, we could just talk about Matthew Broderick and how he, how he was able to make illegal phone calls without using a quarter, but then half the audience has never used a quarter or used a payphone. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's so <laughs> many, there's so many different places. I just want to spin the wheel of topics with you. And then, and maybe at the end, uh, you know, you can uh, you try to explain to me why I should be excited about the Banshees of Isherin or where the hell that last name is. I hated that movie. But let's start here because you're always good for a good conspiracy theory. If the NBA had found that Damian Lillard, that his blood was more Lance Armstrong, Jose Canseco, and A-Rod than it was actual blood, what do you think the NBA would have done if they tested Damian Lillard and found out that he was positive for everything? Well, there's a theory, Matt, that you uh, never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. <laughs> and, and so it's funny, like, here's, here's one thing. How do we know when guys get tested? When they tested, tell us. Right? So how many times do guys get tested and they don't tell us, right? Oh. Like no one ever says, yeah, I, I had a three-point game where I shot two for 17, and then I got tested afterwards. <laughs> it's, always, it's always after they have a good game that, where they bring it up. So, you know, it's, that, that's one of the interesting things about that whole thing uh, is that everyone's like, oh, here we go, another big game, and, and the guy gets tested immediately afterwards. The reality is, man, the only reason we know he was tested is because he said it. Do you think the NBA, if they found anything, they would have told us, or would they have kept it quiet? Because who wants to be a Debbie Downer after Lillard gets 71? Yeah, you know, I, again, like the guys who have gotten caught, after got caught, are never, it's never like uh, someone that we're really wowed by, right? So DeAndre Ayton, I think. A couple of years ago, I had like a 10-year oh, yeah. suspension. Yeah, because he tested positive for a masking agent. Apparently, uh, he took it because he was trying to beat the drug test. Because uh, at the time, I think he was he was smoking or something like that. This was before 
they removed marijuana from the list of tested substances. Uh, but the same agent that would mask a positive marijuana test is the same thing that would mask a positive uh, PED test, and that's why they, they, they hit them with that. Right. But, yeah, man, like, it, it, it's like all the, like, I think back, Don McLean was a guy that got for PED. Uh, was it O.J. Mayo I wanted to It's never, you're never going to get it because it doesn't really do anybody any good. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right about O.J. Mayo. Ah, joined by uh, Amin Hassan again. Check out the Basketball Illuminati podcast. And just get the Levitard show, especially when Amin is on. It's always, it's always a little bit better. Uh, we'll do the Canadian content version of the interview. And I'm just curious, as someone who worked in the front office for the Phoenix Suns for a long time, uh, were, you, were you at all shocked by the Raptors just not being sellers and, in fact, were buyers acquiring Jakob Pertl, considering it's been a disappointing year for the team? Yeah, you know, it's funny. They had started winning before the All-Star break, before the, the, the trade deadline. Things have started to turn. I thought for sure OG Ananobi, I wouldn't call him a seller, but I thought we might see new home for Ananobi, given that he's not exactly thrilled about his role and how he's used there. I thought there was a chance we might see either Van Vliet or um, Gary Trent on the move because those guys are obviously going to be looking at free agency coming up. So I, I, I thought they would try. I'm not saying Stellar. I'm not going to say Stellar because Stellar makes it seem like you're, you know, closing down shop and we're going for Victor Webmanyama. But I did think they would be a little bit more active in terms of getting out of some of these uh, tricky financial deals and maybe getting some more talent back. Keeping the band together, in essence, and then just adding Pirtle was – certainly satisfies the need for them. That was surprising. I'm curious, and there's probably no real answer to this, but we always wonder about what's the best way to develop a team and what's the best way to develop when you've got young players. Is it, you know, to tank and try to get a Victor Wembanyama, or is it to try to go for it? And so the young players, every game has greater stakes, but in the end, your reward is losing in seven in Milwaukee. I think I just I'm always wondering about that, about what the proper approach should be for Masai Ujiri when you got young guys like Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is he, he does have young guys like Scotty Barnes, but then he has a lot of vets, like I said, Van Vliet and Trent and Pascal and yeah. OG and you know even a guy like uh, Boucher who we don't think of. You know, as a vet, but, you know, he's, he's not a spring chicken. So, you know, on some level, like, yes, they have a very important young player. But for the most part, this is a, this is a veteran team coached by a veteran coach, uh, a, cha- a champ. And many of these guys, again, have won a championship. So it's hard to kind of have that massive diversion, especially since, you know, what Scotty Barnes has experienced in the first two years of his career it's probably the best thing is to play competitive basketball. I think the moment where you just say, hey, we're just going to throw them out there and just do whatever is when you've got a team like Houston, where it's like, it's nothing but kids. It's ridiculous to even entertain the thought at this stage that they could be competitive in, this, uh, in their playoff picture. That's when you kind of say, okay, well, we're just going to you know, push it to the limit. But anytime you've got a, a guy, a young guy, who's in the midst of a veteran team, guys who've won and, uh, and are competitive, then I think you owe it to him and you owe it to them to try to be as good as possible. 
Moving to movies for a second, and then we'll get get back to basketball. You have another podcast called Cinephobe. I won't ask you what it is. Uh, am yeah. I a dummy? <laughs> am I a dummy that listen? If Colin Farrell wins the for the Oscar, great. And the Banshees of Inisherin, it looked gorgeous. I thought that movie was miserable. It made me miserable. It's the only time I've cared about a donkey since Shrek. Am I a dummy that I would rather watch Face Off than that movie? No, I mean, I think, like, here's the thing. These movies sometimes, they have a message and they have something they want to get across, but that doesn't necessarily make it a, an enjoyable experience. In other words, you can make a great movie that makes you kind of feel like trash at the end of it. And, and uh, I, I haven't seen that one, but I've heard a lot about it. First of all, I heard you have to have the subtitles on because yes. nobody can... No. Make it through the thick Irish brogue without the no. assistance of yeah. captioning. Uh, but also, it's just it's a it's a dreary movie. It's it's not a feel good. You know, bounce out of your seat and hop up out and go. Yeah, I feel great about life. And, and to me, like I think we can eat the filmmaking while also say that yeah, I don't really like that movie. Yeah, it, it, it's like I always uh, give the example of Das Boot, and I know you were here for hot yeah. Das Boot conversation. Again, joined by Amin El Hassan, covering all things basketball. But I watched Das Boot. I'm like, this is a really impressive movie. I will never watch this again because a three-hour black-and-white movie about a bunch of Germans in a submarine, it's not for me. It's impressive, but I'm going to go back to Nick Cage uh, taking on John Travolta. You, you know, my version of that is Dunkirk. Okay, was, yeah, yeah. So it was Beautifully shot and a, yes. and, and a, a very important, you know, uh, battle during the war that maybe doesn't get talked about enough. But I'm, I've never felt the need of throwing on Dunkirk one more time to, to get another taste of it. Absolutely, and they misuse Tom Hardy. If I can't stare at that beautiful face, what the hell are we doing? Um, Kevin Durant returns tonight uh, against uh, the Hornets, or returns tonight, excuse me, his first game with the Phoenix Suns. For you, I mean, what's the most, uh, what, what are you most interested in in seeing what Durant looks like on the floor with Phoenix? Well, I think I heard you in the intro talking about it. I think it's exactly that, is that what you look like physically. That's the biggest question. How is he moving um, you know, and can he still operate with the same fluidity that we saw earlier this season? Um, these things are not unrelated. Everything is kind of touching something else. So when you say, oh, it was just the MTL and he's fine. Well, no, this is also all going back to his Achilles strain and all the issues there, or his Achilles rupture, I should say. So it's very, it's going to be very interesting to see how he looks how Monty Williams uses them, how long he's out there, both in totality and also how long each stretch is for him, how the rotation looks, who they have on the floor at all times between him, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker, and then also when they all are on the floor together, how they interact and interplay with one another. Uh, the Suns typically have had a pretty good offense that shares the ball, but uh, earlier this season they had a lot of problems offensively scoring because everything fell on Booker's shoulders. All right, now you've got this player who some people believe, myself included, that when healthy, he's the best player in the league. How does he fit with all of this? And how does Devin Booker adjust to perhaps going from number one to number two after having been number one for so long? 
Oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought about You're You're absolutely right. I hadn't even thought about the Devin Booker angle. My focus had just been on Kevin Durant. That is a good one. All right, I'll leave you with this, and we won't do any questions about load management. Um, so I, 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 what is your latest LeBron James conspiracy theory? Is there one out there? Is there one you're enjoying? Because everything LeBron does always has seven different meanings. Oh, yeah, so we, we talked about this on Basketball Illuminati about how LeBron uh, uses the all-star draft as a way to kind of plant the seeds in the brains of other star players to come play with him. Obviously, they played against the Lakers, played against the Mavs earlier this weekend. They beat the Mavs. Afterwards, Jason Kidd was talking about how they need to mature, and Luka Doncic was very defensive afterwards. And, you know, on the Basketball Illuminati, if you check out this week's episode, we kind of get into that, like, oh, this is – this is all LeBron putting it into Luca's head. Hey, hey, you know what you need to do, fella? You need to play with me. I got you. Oh, I can't wait. See if that happens. Hey, I mean, before we let you go, uh, one last uh, one last thing. Uh, can you recommend a movie under 50% on Rotten Tomatoes that people might have missed that uh, they might enjoy? Oh, this, one, this one's easy. Horrible Bosses 2. This is legit one of my favorite movies ever. It's got uh, Jason Sudeikis, Jason Bateman, and Charlie Day. Uh, if you've seen Horrible Boxes, the first one, which is a really yeah. fun movie, a lot of people enjoyed it. The sequel, uh, for whatever reason, is poorly rated. It is That is not an accurate rating. When I say the sequel is just as funny, if not funnier, uh, especially if you're just kind of, you're here for the ride. You just allow them to make the jokes and you laugh at it. It's tremendous. I, 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 it's one of the few movies I actually own in terms of downloaded on my laptop, I, on my uh, iPad. I purchased it. And whenever I'm oh bored, God. if I'm on a flight, I will watch it over and over again. I love it. And it's got two actors, both with two Academy Awards under their belts in it as well. Because Christoph Waltz is in it and Kevin Spacey as well. Hey, I mean, really, really appreciate it. Remember to check out his work on radio, the only place for 24-7 coverage of the NBA series, XM NBA Radio, and, of course, Cinephobe and Basketball Illuminati. If you are a basketball fan, check out one episode. You'll end up checking out a lot more afterwards. All the best, Amin, and thank you for joining the show today. Thanks. That is Amin El Hassan, and again, former executive with the Phoenix Suns.